turn this on first. There we go. Yeah, that was a fun, fun trip. Uh, if you guys were here a couple weeks ago, you would have heard me uh, share some stories. But God just moved in crazy ways. I love that last story that Keelan was sharing about how man, she had a, a, a bum shoulder. She couldn't lift it higher than this right here. And Tilly simply just laid hands on her. And she was able to reach up for the first time. And a couple days later in worship, she was reaching up and she just felt God holding her hands. I think that's just amazing. Um, but God did sweet stuff and it was awesome. and It was a lot of fun. Hey, we actually forgot to take an offering during the second song. So if you are not sure, if you want to come forward and receive those offerings, that'd be awesome. Um, a little, uh, I want to preface my message with, I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces that I haven't seen um, in a long time and a lot of different walks of life that I've had here in Holland. And so I'm probably going to get really emotional. Um, if you haven't met me, my name's Pete. I'm a pastor here uh, for like the next 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, Matt told me this morning, we were joking around, he's like, hey, this, what are we going to do, fire you? You should just do something weird. And I was like, I'm probably not going to do that. But, but yeah, it's just a blessing to have you guys here this morning. I'm really excited. Um, if you don't typically come here on a Sunday morning, we're excited to worship with you. Um, but this summer, we've been going through uh, just a, a, it's not really a series, but we've been calling it Overflow. And what we've been doing is, who's ever preaching is just sharing out of the overflow of what the Holy Spirit, what God's been doing in their life or speaking to them. And so this morning, um, I'm going to be speaking about what God's been stirring up in me. Um, and, and, and this phrase keeps coming to mind, um, but it's, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a revolution. Hear that again. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a revolution. And that revolution is unlike anything that we've ever seen before because Jesus is taking dead people He's making them alive, he's putting his spirit in them, and then he's sending them back into a dark and broken world to be his witness. And it's unlike anything that we've ever seen before. But you see, man, we have an interesting way. We, we take God's plans and his purposes and his intentions and we kind of make them our own thing. Have you guys ever noticed that? I mean, I like, when Jesus set forth this radical movement where like, he was raising up disciples, and they were going out and praying for people, seeing people get healed, seeing demons cast out. The kingdom of God was coming into a broken world. But then I, I look at our church, subduct. I look at, I look at where we are now, at, 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 when I, I look at the church across the world, and I see this disconnect between, man, this is what we're doing in the Bible, but what are we doing now? See, we have an interesting thing that we do. We, we, we take what God's given us, and we, we make it our own thing. See, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a revolution. See, this is all throughout Scripture. If you look at the Old Testament, God gave his people the law. And some of us, we grew up thinking the law was this heavy, burdensome, bad thing. But really, the law is beautiful. What it was, was it was God's guideline for his people to follow so that they could enjoy fellowship with God. See, from the beginning of time, God's been after one thing and one thing alone. Fellowship with man. He created the garden. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. It says in Genesis 1, 26 or 28 that he made man in his own image and he said, it is very good. Before the fall, Adam and Eve could walk in the cool of the day with the Lord. They could enjoy his fellowship. They could enjoy his friendship. In Revelation 21, 3, it says that in the end, we know how the story goes, in the end, God is going to make his home with people. All throughout the Old Testament, we see the tabernacle. Then we see the temple. This was the place where God's glory dwelled. He could dwell in the midst of his people. See, the Israelites, they would build their cities around the tent or around the temple so that the God's presence was in the midst of them. And that's all he's been after, is dwelling in fellowship with man. 
But you see, the Israelites, they took the law, and they forgot its purpose. They forgot that the law was meant to actually draw them closer to God, draw them nearer to God. And so, over time, we see that it just became empty tradition. It became religious. It lost its meaning. It lost its purpose. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene, what does he do? We see him go through the temple twice with the whip. And he's like, man, you guys have forgotten what the purpose. This is supposed to be called a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. You forgot the purpose. See, over generation, over generation, over generation, up until Jesus came, they forgot what God was calling them, fellowship. See, God has always been looking for his people to be people who are intimate with him, so to know him deeply, to love him with everything they are, right? And then to reflect him to a dark and a broken world. That's always been God's, that's the meta-narrative of the Bible, is God's been looking for people who will reflect him in a dark and a broken world. When God created Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. See, God's heart was that worshipers who looked like him, we were created in the image of God. What does that mean? We're created to be righteous and holy. He wanted worshipers to fill the earth that looked like him, that brought him, that brought him glory and pleasure. He loved it. But, but we fell from that. And so God's always been on a mission to redeem that because in Habakkuk, he, he prophesies, he says, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as water covers the sea or fills the sea. What, he, what he's saying is God's going to, what God wanted in the beginning will take place. And that's what Jesus came to initiate is he actually brought us back to a place where this could happen. He restored us. He restored the image of God in us so that we could be made right with God. God confronted the Israelites in Hosea 6, 6, and he said, look, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. See, this thing, it, it just become tradition. It just become religious. And Jesus was, or God was saying, man, I want you guys to know me. That word, when he said, I want you to show love, it's his said. And it, what it is, is a covenant love extended to another because it's been experienced from God. So it's this, it's this transforming love that I experience between God and I give it away to other people. What God was telling the Israelites was like, Man, these sacrifices, these offerings, they're actually supposed to lead you closer to me so that you could be transformed into my image and you were supposed to give it away, but you've forgotten the whole purpose. You're just going through the motion. I think we're in a similar predicament when I look at the church today. We go to church on a Sunday morning because it's what we grew up doing. We read our Bible because it's probably just a good thing to do. You know, I should probably pray before my meal, but it's lost its value. It's lost its purpose. It's lost its meaning. There's something deeper that God's getting at. He's getting at, he wants fellowship with each and every one of us. Jesus didn't come so that 2,000 years later you'd be sitting in a church pew. (laughs) That is not what I see in my Bible. Jesus came so that you could be made new. So that's what I I want to start off with today before I give my message. That's what I want to ask. Are you living in religion or are you living in, in, in this new life that Jesus has paid for. So before I start, let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are here right now in our midst. God, you're not just sitting up in the clouds somewhere, but you're actually right here right now. So Holy Spirit, we pray, would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you let us hear from you this morning, God? Would you let us receive from you this morning, God? Would you speak through me, God? Silence any thought, any voice, Um, That's not you. God, don't let me say anything that's my opinion or my idea. No, God, you speak through me. And God, let us receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 
from the beginning of time, God has wanted man to reflect him on earth. That's it. It's that simple. And what Jesus did was he came not so that we could get into heaven. I think kind of in the church there's this, this, this weird idea that like Christianity is just about chucking up a prayer and then making it to heaven one day. I don't, I don't know what Bible people are reading when they think that. Because that's not what Christianity is about. That's not what following Jesus is about. It's not just about making it. It's not just about making it. It's about becoming like him. It's about transforming, having all of our lives transformed into his image and then living from that place of constantly being renewed day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, letting the spirit of God renew us so that we can look like him. Getting to heaven is just a byproduct, whatever. Spending eternity with God is just a byproduct of being a son or a daughter. It's not the focus. But we've reduced it to say a prayer, get saved, now go on with, with going through the motions and tradition. That's empty. That's religion. God calls us to a life of fellowship with the living and an act of God who is here with us right now and he actually speaks. We can hear his voice. That's what God calls us into and that's what Jesus came and paid for with his blood. In Colossians 1, uh, this is what Paul says. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He brought everything back to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And get this. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. It is hot up here. Holy cow. Get this. He says, you were separated from God. Everything you did was counter, it was opposite of God. Everything you did was opposed to God. But Jesus came and he brought you back to the Father. Look at that. He says, as a result, he's brought you into his own presence. Jesus, first and foremost, brought us back into the presence of the Father. Okay? And then he speaks directly to our identity as believers. He says, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I don't know about you guys, but I don't necessarily wake up in the morning and think those words about myself. I'm holy and I'm blameless and I don't have a single fault. And right now I'm in the presence of God. But if I did think that way, think about how that would impact my life. See, this is the gospel. Look, Paul keeps going and he goes, but you must continue to believe this and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the gospel. This is the gospel that Jesus has made us right with the Father. That everything in the past is done with, it's gone, it's over. But you see, I see so many people in the church, they're plagued with condemnation, they're plagued with guilt, they're plagued with shame, and they walk around like Eeyore. And they're like, why bother? Why bother? Life is just dreary. That's not how we're called to live. Man, if we really believe this thing, if we're calling ourselves Jesus' followers, then this is the foundational truth about who we are. It's pretty quiet in here. This is the foundational truth about who we are. If my faith is in Jesus and what he did for me, then I'm different than I was before. And I got to get over myself. Because part of what I'm seeing going on in the church is we just don't want to believe it about ourselves. Oh, yeah, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Jesus doesn't care. Get over it. He threw it away. Now be new. Be made new. Let him renew you. 
See, this is the gospel. But I see so many people in the church, man, we're just going through the motions. We just want to go to church, we want to worship, and then we want to go do our own thing. It's Monday through Saturday, I'm doing my own thing. Sunday morning, I give to God. Then after that, admittedly, I do this too, I go watch football. You know, like that's just what Sundays are. But it's an everyday thing where we're letting God have us. We're letting God have all that we are. See, God's intention is that we would stand on this truth and that we would bring this truth to the rest of the world. That Jesus has made a way to be restored to the Father. That we can actually have fellowship with God. That I can actually walk and hear God's voice. I can feel his love. I can go wherever I go, he's there with me. That is the freedom that we've been given through Jesus. A friendship with God, and it doesn't end, and it doesn't matter. What we did in the past is done with, it's over. Jesus loves us, and he's forgiven us, he's redeemed us. And now he wants us to go give this gift to the rest of the world. Look at this. It, it, it blows my mind. Like when we dig into this, look at what Paul says in Romans 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we die with Christ, we will also, we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. Look, I, I see in the church, okay, like religion is like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dead to sin in, in the sense that when I stand before God at the end of the ages, like he's not going to see the bad things I did in my life. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that once you come to Jesus, the power of sin no longer has a hold on you. Do you know when, in Matthew 28, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples. The therefore was because he'd been given all authority. And so, yes, that's good. I'm so thirsty. Thanks, man. That, this is what Paul is saying, that sin no longer controls you. You say, well, Pete, what are you saying? We're supposed to be perfect? I have to be careful because um, last time I drank when I preached, I started choking, and it was bad. Not this time. But, so, so Pete, what are you saying? Were we supposed to be perfect? We're never supposed to sin again? What I'm saying is that a life in fellowship with God, you're constantly growing into his image. You're constantly growing more like him. And so sin actually doesn't have as big of a hold on you. So get this, so 2014, I get a call from an old friend in high school. And me and this, this, this kid, we used to, I mean... This is back before I knew Jesus, and I, I was into drugs. I was depressed. I was addicted to all sorts of different things. And, and this was my buddy who we'd roll around town, and we'd go do stuff together, okay? So he calls me. He's like, hey, Pete, I'd love to get lunch with you. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And so we go, and we get lunch, and we're eating there. And he's just, like, staring at me, eating his food, like, staring at me. He's like, what's different about you? See, he noticed that the Holy Spirit was in me. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to do anything. He knew that I actually wasn't a part of, that wasn't who I was anymore. That old me was actually dead. Like Paul said, our old sinful selves are dead. See, that was the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not, nothing I did, nothing I said, nothing like that. It was just Holy Spirit living through me. And so he noticed that, man, something's different about Pete. And so last year, so this is now two years removed from that conversation, he calls me. He's like, He's crying. He's like, Peter, I just got 
DUI. And, um, man, I'm feeling really broken right now. I don't know what to do. But I remember that conversation that we had two years ago. And whatever you have, I want that. I need, to, I need something different in my life. I need the freedom that you found. And so we got to talk about, man, it's about surrendering your life. Jesus can give you a new life, but you have to lay your old one down. See, Paul's saying that we're not supposed to stay the same when we come to Jesus, that Jesus is in the business of transforming life. He's in the business of transformation. He doesn't want us to follow him, but then keep living like we did before. See, this call of Jesus is not come and watch me, it's come and follow me. How many of you guys know that if, if Jesus said, follow me to his disciples, and they said, okay, and then they never dropped their nets, and they never followed him, and they never, you know, spent countless nights with him, and, and all those years of just listening to him, and talking with him, and laughing with him, and walking with him, if they never actually got out of their boats to follow him, they would have never been transformed. But so many people in the church today, they just want to watch. I just want to come to church on Sunday, don't say anything that's going to challenge me, because then I'm going to get mad. I'm not going to come back. Hey, that's, that's the mentality in the church, but Jesus is saying, follow me. He said, man, the gate is narrow. The gate is narrow. Why? Because it actually takes following him day in and day out. And this should be a freeing thing. This should be a freeing thing for everyone in this room today because that's not, that's not a guilt. That's not a condemnation. The mercy of God is sustaining each and every one of us right now. We're not lucky. It's not because we have good health. It's, not because, it's because God wants you. Every person in this room, you're alive and breathing right now because the mercy of God is still sustaining you because he's desiring that you would turn to him each and every day. How freeing is that? Oh, no, I don't know. I have just a good heart and good health. No, God is sustaining you. And guess what? He's giving you this second, he's giving you this moment right now that you would surrender your heart even more and follow Jesus. That you would let go of everything in the past and you would follow him. Not watch him, not think, oh man, Jesus is cool, but no, I want to become like you, God. Restore your image in my heart. The mercy of God is sustaining each and every one of us right now. Paul keeps going and he goes, don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. You say, Pete... Man, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. I'm still letting these things control me. I'm still, I'm st- I don't know. Like what you're saying right now is kind of confronting me because I haven't won these battles of sin. I can't speak directly to each and every person right now, but I can speak from my circumstance. And I know this, that when I'm walking with Jesus day in and day out, through the ups and through the downs and through the, the whatever, like when I'm giving Jesus who I am and I'm making him the first place in my heart, guess what? Sin, sin is a lot less tempting. You know, depression and anxiety, man, they're, they're like way out there because I'm actually focused on Jesus. You know, in James uh, 4, 7, James writes, Submit to God, resist the enemy, and he'll flee from you. Well, he's not talking about like throwing a bunch of stuff at the enemy. He, he's saying if you submit to Jesus, if you make him first, if you give yourselves completely to God, the enemy has to flee. And so Jesus is calling us to live a lives that's constantly focused on him, constantly surrendered to him. Every moment is holy because he's with us everywhere we go. And what he's calling us to do is realize that he's made us new, he's brought us into his presence, and now we just live for him and we, live, we give our whole lives to him without with, withholding nothing, but we give him everything. And he's saying if we do that, 
If we give all of who we are completely to God, man, sin has definitely lost its power because it's definitely not appealing anymore. Are you saying you're going to be perfect, Pete? No, I'm saying that we can grow in holiness and in his character and in his likeness. And if we do mess up, God is faithful and just and he'll forgive us like this. The problem is when we repent, we forget what Jesus went around preaching. He said, repent and believe. We just want to repent, but then we don't ever believe that he's made us right. And so we still carry around guilt. We still carry around condemnation. He said, repent and believe the good news. What's the good news? That God has instantaneously restored you to your created value, which is the image of God. And now he doesn't see anything in the past. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your anger. He doesn't see your anxiety. He just sees his son or his daughter with whom he's well pleased. That is what we're called to do. A lot of people want to repent, but they don't ever believe what God has done in them. And so what happens is this carries on for generation after generation. And then we just have lukewarm lukewarm churches, lukewarm culture, and we don't, we don't believe that we're actually equipped to do ministry, but that's not what I see in the gospel. The gospel is each and every one of us are in a playing, level playing field. Paul is not a superhuman. He was a dude just like me, broken, had a bunch of scars, had a bunch of mistakes, but God used him because Paul actually believed what God did for him. Like David, look in the Old Testament, David. He was an adulterer and he was a murderer. But God used him to represent what his kingdom looks like here on earth. God anointed him as king over Israel, not because he was a good person, not because he was super awesome and amazing, but because David actually believed that God was a loving father who would forgive him. Paul goes, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. I don't need to live under condemnation and guilt and shame. Romans 8, 1, it says, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't need to live with anything of my past attached to me. And any, any moment that I drop the ball, man, I just look back up to the Father and He forgives me. That's how we're called to live. And guess what? When he, we're freed from this slavery, okay? So go with me, okay? Envision this. God in the Old Testament. Israelites were enslaved and they were in captivity in Egypt. Okay? They were broken. They were constantly oppressed. And God calls on this murderer, Moses. And he's like, Moses, I'm calling you higher, man. I've got something way better for you. Go back to your people because you're actually, I'm going to use you for something way better, way greater than you could have ever pictured or imagined. So Moses goes back and God uses Moses to deliver the Israelites out of captivity and slavery in Egypt, okay? So God delivers the, uh, the Israelites from Egypt. He brings them to Mount Sinai, and he speaks to Moses. He goes, the Israelites, you guys, they're my royal priesthood. They're my holy nation. They're my prized possession. Out of all the nations on the earth, I've chosen them to receive my love. So here they were in captivity. They didn't do anything. God didn't deliver them because they're super great people, super awesome people. Moses wasn't chosen because he was super awesome and super holy. God saw them, chose them, loved them, and delivered them. In the same way, everyone in this room was in captivity and bondage to sin. I did nothing on my own. I was not good enough. I wasn't worthy enough. But God saw us, chose us, mankind, and he delivered us from our captivity and sin through the person of Jesus, through Jesus, he delivered us from our captivity and our bondage to sin. He's brought us out into this place of freedom. 
What does it say right there? You're no longer living under sin's uh, oppression. You're no longer living in sin's bondage. I brought you out into freedom. So he's brought us to this spiritual mountain, right? He's brought us to this spiritual mountain. And Peter actually, to hammer this home, Peter talks about this. He repeats what God said to the Israelites in 2 Peter 2, 9. He says, for you are a chosen people. Who? Anyone who is in Christ Jesus, you are chosen by God. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That sounds a lot different than what I'm seeing in the church where the only ones who are called the ministry are the full-time pastors or, or, or the missionaries. Peter's saying that we are all his priests. What does that mean? We're all equipped to show others the goodness of God. Why? Because Jesus lives in us. See, your life is your ministry, not your occupation. It's not about what you do between nine and five. It's about who you're becoming. Man, when I was at in on time, it wasn't because, man, I wasn't just looking at it like, oh, here's a job. That was my ministry. Why? Because everywhere we go, everywhere we put our feet, God is calling us to declare his goodness, to reflect his glory, to share about what Jesus has done. Man, it doesn't matter what we do for a living. We're all called to be image bearers of Jesus and declare what he's done for us. What has he done for us? Man, he's restored us to friendship with God. Completely washed me clean. He's brought me in. He's brought us into his presence. And he's loosened us from the, the, the power of sin. So we can actually live a life where we're growing to become more like him. And in that, we're becoming more like him and we can declare his goodness. See, I'm, my heart, my heart is that the church would be awakened to this. I told this story a couple months ago, but at one time I, I was a server at a restaurant. And I was very mad in this moment. Everything was going to kaputs. I was just like, oh my gosh, I do not want to be here. This sucks. Get me out of here. And then I got this conviction from the Holy Spirit. And he said, why don't you actually just start reflecting me? And I get this table. I'm getting slammed. I'm getting like five different tables at once. I'm like, oh, my head's spinning around. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is miserable. And I, I, I go out to this table. And this was right after I prayed. I said, God... Just let me die to myself. Just be seen in me. And I go up to this table. First words, no joke, out of this guy's mouth is, you born again? And I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I am. You know, like, yeah, what, that's, it was weird. He, that's the first words he said. And he goes, I can tell. And I said, why? And he goes, because you, 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 he said something along the lines of like, you're looking like him or you're reflecting him or I can see him in you. And it was not because of anything I did. I just came out of this moment where I was mad. Right? But I just looked at God. I said, God, it's not about me. Just be seen in me. And he showed up. You guys, it doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing. We are our ministry, our lives. Who we're becoming is the ministry that we put forth. And so whether I'm a stay-at-home mom or whether I'm working uh, and I'm a CEO of a business, or it doesn't matter. We are all called to declare what Jesus has done to us. See, we don't have a God who's just sitting up in the clouds and we can't know and we can't draw close to him and we can't hear his voice. It's not true. I shared with you guys a couple weeks ago about this story. Um, me and Jesse were praying for this girl. She, we didn't know anything about her. And God kept 
he, he kept whispering to us. He goes, pray over abuse in her life. Pray over the people who've wronged her. So we just started praying this stuff out. Man, if there's been abuse in your life, if you've been wronged, if you've been hurt, and we start praying over all these things, and she just starts weeping. Because God is present with us in this moment. He's just looking for us to be open to receive from him. God is present with us. Everywhere we go, we can always have access to him. In, Ro- in Hebrews, it says, come boldly before the throne of God. How do we do that if we're not in, in, in the realm of heaven? Well, because he's with us. He lives in our, th- our, hearts, our hearts. And we, we can approach his throne within us because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And so we don't have this God we can't know. He's revealed himself, yes, in Jesus and in the word, but he's also with us right now. Jesus said in John 14, man, it's going to be better for you when I go. Why? Because I'm sending my comforter. Who's the comforter? My Holy Spirit. Me and the Father are going to come and we're going to live in you. Why would it be better for us if he goes? Because we have continual, constant, every day, every moment, access to the person of God. If I was following Jesus, if I was his disciple and he was in Israel, and I I was in Michigan, I can't be with him. We're in different places, but now God is with me wherever I go. My heart is that we would be people who are constantly seeking God's face. Jesus said, what's the most important thing you can do with your life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not yourself, not your job, not your security, not your money, not any of that. Put God first and watch what he does is what Jesus is saying. Put me first and watch what I do. But my question is, are we just going through the motions? Are we seeking him with everything we are? In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, man, if you seek God with all of your heart, there you'll find him. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I like seek God for two minutes. I'm like, ah, you know, shut my Bible and I walk away. I can't find, he's saying, seek him with all of your heart. God wants all of us, not just a part of us. I am getting off on a tangent. That's good, yeah. This is what Paul says. Ephesians 3. He goes, let's see if we start here. Yeah. When I think of all this, so Paul's talking about, man, God's chosen you. And he's redeemed all of man. And now he's taking up residence in their heart. And he's like, man, when I think of this, and then he gets off on this tangent like I just did, and then he comes back to it in verse 14. He goes, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should know, how high and how wide, how long and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Not just know about it intellectually. May you experience the love of Christ. See, we go through the motions. We forget what this thing is all about. It's about knowing God deeply, loving Him with everything we are, and reflecting Him. That's what it's always been about. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, when, the, when Jesus returns, that's what it's always about. And so He goes, not may you just know about Him. Not could you just read Him in a couple pages of your Bible, but not, may you experience Him. My question today is like, how many of us would say that we're living and we're positioning ourselves to experience Jesus? You know, when, when God sent manna to the Israelites when they're in the wilderness, he said, 
pick up only what you need for today. And if you pick up more than that, it's going to rot and spoil. In the same way, like, I can't live off yesterday's interactions with God. Man, I can't live off my quiet time with God from two months ago. I can't live off my salvation experience when I came to the Lord. I had this authentic experience. Because why? It's not how it works. We need to be positioning ourselves to continually know God deeper. Continually give Him all of who we are so that we can experience His love. Because that's what transforms us. Paul keeps going. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, when we're living in this place of constantly receiving, constantly interacting, constantly experiencing God, the Holy Spirit starts to move in our life. And all of a sudden, His love and His power is, made, is, is seen, it's evident. See, when Jesus in Acts 1-8, when He said, man, you're going to receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes to you. See, when we're constantly positioning ourselves to receive from God, it's like that Pentecost experience where the Holy Spirit comes and we're actually empowered to be like Jesus. That's where it comes from. Jesus said in John 15, Abide in me, for apart from me you can do nothing. He's saying, spend time with me. Make sure that I'm your priority. Make sure that I am what you build your life on and around. Because if you don't, then you're just going to fall victim to the world. Then you're just going to stray from me. Apart from me, you will wither and die, is literally what he said. But so often, we're just going through the motions. We're trying to live life apart from him. I'm trying to love my wife apart from him. I'm trying to love my children apart from Jesus and having intimacy with him. And that doesn't work. Because when I try and do it on my own, man, I've been there. I've experienced it. I break things. He's saying, you need to rely on me fully. You need to know me and give me everything that you are. Because if you don't, man, you're not going to bear fruit and you're just going to wither and you're going to die. We need to have lives of intimacy with Jesus. That's where this thing all starts. Is in that place of intimacy with Jesus where I realize what he's done for me. I realize that sin actually isn't that appealing. And I grow into his likeness and his character. And the world around me starts to see it and notice. Now, all glory to God who is able to able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Five years ago, I was sitting in a jail cell. I didn't know I was there. I'd blacked out. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was broken. But really, really broken. If you would have told me in that moment, Pete, man, you can give your heart and your life to Jesus and it's going to change your, your world. I would have never believed you, I promise. I would have been like, you're crazy. But five years later, man, I had the opportunity to speak to people. Man, I've seen people from all over the place that I met in Holland. I'm just so grateful to the Lord for this, these two years. It's been amazing. But if you would have told me, man, that this is what my life would look like, I would have never believed you. But then I met this dude in Florida, this random old guy sitting outside a subway. He had this... Uh, Walker, he was all hunched over, and I was praying for people in Florida with my friends. And he was like, well, have you ever, like, fully, fully, fully surrendered to the Lord? And I was like, I don't know. I think I've fully, 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 fully surrendered to the Lord. I don't know. He's like, well, why don't you pray with me right now? And I was like, okay. He's like, God, I give you everything that I am. And I was like, God, I give you everything that I am. Just baptize me with your fire and your power. And I was like, Baptize me with your fire and your power. And I, I, I said I was very I was skeptical, right? But four months later, 
man, I'm, I'm in Minneapolis and I'm seeing God actually use me. I'm seeing people get healed. I'm seeing people hear the gospel for the first time and repent and believe. I'm seeing God actually, man, I, I didn't know a lick of the Bible. And all of a sudden, verses are just rolling off my tongue. And it wasn't because I was good or I did a bunch of awesome things. It was because I actually let God in. And I actually started to make it my priority in the morning. Man, every time before I'd go into work or any time I'd, I'd make it a priority to spend time with Jesus. And not just do a devotional, those are great. But to actually sit with God and be still before him. And let him speak to me. To actually invite his love to enter into my heart. Because I, I realized in that moment, man, I've been going through the motions. Why am I in jail? Because I've been trying to do everything apart from God. I'm supposed to surrender God and then walk with him. That's the call of Jesus. And so I started realizing, man, God's a God that we can experience. God's a God that we can know deeply. And that's what changed me. Is because I've made a priority of every day just sitting with him. And now I, I'm, four, you know, five years later... I get the chance to be at Victory Point. I get the chance to work at In On Time with guys like Mike Ruff. And, and, and man, I get to do all these things that, man, I wasn't doing it alone. I was doing it with God. And I saw him moving and changing things. And so I'm probably about to get really emotional. So I'm going to invite the band up. Um, but this is, this is my, my heart. When I think about Victory Point, when I think about my friends in this room, this is my heart for us as, as followers of Jesus. It's not just to go through the motions. It's not just to go to church on a Sunday and then call it good. It's not just to check things off. Man, if I were to approach my marriage like that, that'd be big trouble. Big trouble. Yeah, if I was just be checking things off, that'd be big trouble. God is calling us, and the Bible gives this analogy of like, Jesus is the bridegroom and we're the bride of Christ. The Ten Commandments, and that was a marriage contract between God and his people. He said, if you're going to be my bride, Live like this. We read it in such legalistic ways where it's like, oh man, this is heavy, this is burdensome. No, God is calling us to a marriage with him. And he's not just something we check off the box. He doesn't want us just going through the motions. He wants us to know him deeply. And he wants us to love him with everything we are. And he wants us to reflect him to a lost and a broken world. So my heart for us is that we'd press in. If you're coming in and you're like, I could use more in my walk with God. I could use more of God's presence in my life. I could use more of his love in my life. I want to walk like Jesus walked. Then, then don't stop. Don't just leave and then let it dis- disappear. Press in. God isn't moved by, by legalistic act- Christian activities. In other words, he's not moved because I'm opening my Bible because I feel like I'm supposed to or I'm going to church because I feel like I'm supposed to. What he's moved by, and this is why we see people like Moses or like David, being used by God, what he's moved by is a heart that comes to him day in and day out. Man, confessing, Jesus, I just need you. I need you more than anything in my life. I need you. That's what he's moved by. And so my heart for us today is that we wouldn't just leave and be like, whatever, but we'd actually begin to live a life that's just open before God, giving him everything, all that we are, and saying, God, you can use me in whatever way you see fit. I want to learn more about what you did for me on that cross. I want to learn more about who you say that I am. If I'm holy and I'm pure and I'm blameless and I actually want to believe it, help me believe. If I'm really called to show you to the world around me, then empower me to do that. I need you. That's how we're called to live. That's my heart for you guys. So will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are present in our midst. And there's never a day that goes by, God, where you're not aware of what is going on in our hearts or in our minds or in our lives. So Jesus, we just lift our hearts up to you right now. We just ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill them? 
God, would you let us experience your love like Paul talked about? God, would you let us stand on the truth of what the gospel means? God, that we are actually set free from the bondage of sin, that we're holy and we're pure. It doesn't matter what we think or what we feel. That's what you say about us. God, would you let us hold these things close to our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen.